tuning your choice, tapping into the frequency of an empowered life. This podcast is all about making choices. Let's face it, life is all about choice we make. And what would you do when life gives you lemons? Here, I will share inspirational story of everyday warriors who have overcome struggles, adversity, challenges, and learned how to be their life authors and live life to the fullest. By capturing their stories, their learning, and their experiences, each story become like a piece of evidence, and they can give you the courage that you can too. Do you know it's only take one second to make the choice, the choice that can lead you out of the loop of struggle, the choice that allows you to claim your power and be the author of your own story. Throughout the podcast, you're gonna hear story from everyday people who have made empowered choice that lead themselves to live a happy and fulfilled life. Their tales will inspire you, uplift you, and give you hope that there is always a different choice to make in any situation. But before that, let me tell you a little bit about me and why making an empowered choice is so important to me. Hi, I'm your host Sue Sakilan. I'm a transformational speaker, a breakthrough mentor, and a subconscious healing specialist. Coming from a challenging background, where my parents disowned me when I was just eight months old. Growing up, I experienced bullying, abuse, and family violence. I experienced firsthand how trauma can impact our life, physically and mentally. And how it can leave deep scars in our subconscious mind. But I make a choice to liberate myself from the past, to get on my own healing journey at the age of fifteen. Now, twenty years later, I am living my purpose, spreading the message of choice, helping others to transform, and reminding each one of us that you have a choice. No matter where you tuning in from, join me and let's create a life. Hello, hello, everyone! Welcome to tuning in today, and this is Tuning Your Choice podcast. I am so excited today because I have one of my very good friend and very well, very good mentor coming here and share her story with us today. I can't wait to introduce her to be in the room. Today' guest is Anna von Sina. Anna von Sina is a best-selling author, in-demand editor, and writing coach and mentor. Following a stroke in 2013, she decided to live her life to her complete happiness. She has over 35 years of experience as an author, editor, and writing coach, mentor, and tells funny. Captivating and informative stories. In the last eighteen months, she has helped over one hundred writers fulfill their dreams of becoming a published authors. Anna lives in Melbourne, Australia, but works successfully with aspiring author from all corners of the world. And I'm actually one of them. <laughs> I can't wait to let. Anna in here, and welcome, Anna. How are you? Thank you. 
I'm very well. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, and so today's podcast is actually live, and this is the first time we do live for this podcast as well. So thank you for tuning in today. So first, let's give us a glimpse about your life, what you do. We talk about a little bit in the intro that you you do a lot of things. You're writing and you mentor and do many, many different things. Um what you do and what you're in life right now? Gosh, what I do is mm, I try and help people write their stories and write their books. And I guess I do that by, oh, gosh, it's a lot of hand-holding and a lot of encouraging and a lot of you can do this, you can do this, <laughs> and just getting people to 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 write down all the stuff that's in their head about their lives and what they've done and how what they have done can help other people. And and it's such an exciting thing just, you know, just to see what happens when people can hold a book that is theirs, like they can say, this is my book and this isn't my book. This is my, this is my test dummy book that I use all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Anna <laughs> is really funny. Anna always makes me laugh. And, of course, Anna is uh, my writing coach and also one of my mentors as well. It's just what you just said before is holding hands and keep encouraging people. And, yeah, and this is really important, I have to say, and I have to say a big thank you to you here um, with all the audience here. I've never thought I can. I've never thought um, I would want to go online or even write my story on paper to share with different people. And Anna is one of the person that um, inspired me to do the podcast as well because um, it just used the other form of the format to record a story and actually... Everybody has a story, yeah. you, know, you know that, and everybody can tell their story in different ways. I mean, you know, you can tell your story by writing a book or you can tell it by speaking. Like you told a bit of your story in the introduction today. So, you know, that's a start. And you can do po blog posts. You can do, oh, you can do so much with your yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. So I met Anna, I think, uh, last year. I th because we, we're both in um, um, Speaker Institute, so then we see each other post a lot and we actually met in person because last year we don't really have a chance to meet people in person. So we met each other and uh, last December, I think, is the Christmas party. And then we, I have a chance, I have a privilege to get mentored by Anna. And so we have more chat and... And one day I share with her that I want to do a podcast. I want to keep record different people's story. I want to interview people. So it's evidence that can let others know that we have different life events and, and struggle, but we also have a choice to turn our life and crave, my, crave our path, actually, to live a better life, to ha live a happy life. And so Anna was like, Yes, I have a story to share too. And I know 
before you become an author, you actually come from different state, you move to Melbourne, and then you build your life in here and you settle down here. And there's some big life-changing event happened in 2013, which is um, you have a stroke. And tell us a little bit about that story, if you can. Well, it's it's a really exciting story. I mean, it's a tragic story as well as exciting. Uh, I had a really, really, really huge headache, and I'm talking about a headache that that was shaped like the uh, shaped like the Starship Enterprise. So you know, the Starship Enterprise shaped like this and like this. If you've ever seen it from Star Trek, and so this headache was shaped this way, and it was a huge headache, the worst headache I've ever ever had in my life. And I went to my chiropractor to get him to manipulate my, my neck, which usually fixed the headaches. And this day I went and he could see that I wasn't right. And he made me do all the, all the, you know, touch your nose and put your hands in the air and walk a straight line. And I could do all of those tests. And I didn't find out till later that they were the, the standard sort of tests that, that you give somebody if you think they're having a stroke. So because I could do them, he let me go. And he, oh my gosh, he regretted it so much. It took a couple of years for him to stop, the, you know, saying, please forgive me, please forgive me. It wasn't his fault. He did everything he could. So he let me go. And I jumped in my car and I'm driving back towards home. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go to the post office and then I'll go home. So I'm heading towards the post office, I think. And in fact, I'm having a stroke. So I'm having a stroke at three o'clock in the afternoon in Melbourne peak hour traffic. I am so lucky that I didn't kill anyone, that I didn't kill myself. I didn't have a car accident. I ended up in a, in a, a court, in a street that I'd never been in before. Mm. I was driving. I could feel myself going like this and I can remember it and in my mind I could see I was going I have to get through that lane to get to the post office and when I was driving forward I was actually driving into a light pole and oh. when I was bouncing when I was coming backwards is when I was bouncing off the light pole I wasn't going fast but it was enough to to bounce off the light pole so fortunately, the people in the house to this side of me had seen me having a stroke in the car and they called an ambulance and the police and they, they came and uh, the next thing I knew I was woke up and I was in hospital and I could hear the whoomph, whoomph, whoomph of the, the MRI machine checking my brain. And that was, that was the big adventure. But I was so lucky I didn't kill anybody. I'm so, so grateful. And when you, when you know that you're about to lose control, should I use this word? Because you, you're actually driving a car and then you know you're about to lose conscious. Didn't no, know. you don't. No, didn't know. It didn't hurt. No idea that it happened. The only thing I knew was when the ambulance lady said to me, or I should say the paramedic said to me, we're going to take you out of the car. And she knew my name, so they must, so they must have gone through my bag to, to find out my name. Um, and can you get out of the car to get into the ambulance? And I said, yes, I can remember that. 
Mm. And then I just, and later I happened to meet her on another occasion. She said, I actually had eight seizures on the way to the, the hospital. So it was, it was serious stuff. Serious. Yeah, that was. And, and after that, how long you spent time in the hospital? I was really, really lucky. I only spent five, five days in the hospital. And yeah. it's five days of, you know, nursing staff coming every half hour, it seems, and asking you what your name is, where you are, what the date is, just to, to see where you are and how bad your headache is. Because mm. headache is, is a big indicator of, of, of stroke. Mm. And so while you in the hospital, once you gain back more conscious, of course, after the stroke and after MRI, did you notice what's going on? Sure, sure, sure. In the hospital, I was fine. I mean, once the stroke was finished, it was finished for me. Mm. Um, it was, I mean, it was quite funny, actually. They put me into, they were, I, was in, I was in intensive care to start with. And then I, after about 24 hours, they put me into a normal ward. And I ended up in a ward with uh, four elderly gentlemen. And these guys would have been, oh, they would have been in their 70s and 80s. And they were in a really bad way. Um, so, you know, I had the I had the window seat so I could look out the window, but I looked in around the rest of the room and they were in a terrible way and nobody said anything. And it was awful because, you know, I like to talk and I like to know, I like to know what's going on. And I like to, I like to find out people's stories and, and, you know, who they are and what they've done and what interests them. And so these guys weren't talking. So, okay, nothing happened. So, you know, we all went to sleep and had, you know, all nobody said a word okay the next morning everybody looked around and i just said well that's the first time i've slept with three men and you should have heard them laugh they <laughs> loved it well then it was on you know we were chatting like we were old friends i'd broken the you know i'd broken that cone of silence and yeah we could talk yeah and how the stroke did the stroke impact you like physically in any way um you can't see what the stroke has done to me uh, as as you can see i look normal well i am normal and you are <laughs> and you know i can walk and talk and do all of that those things quite normally the what it has done is that um i now have uh, a form of epilepsy i get seizures that nobody else can see they're um, called oral seizures. They happen inside my head, literally, um, and they they last for up to 30 seconds and only I can see them. So it's, it's really frustrating because I've been in the hospital saying I'm having a seizure and unless I'm hooked up to the, uh, up to the, um, the EEG, nobody else knows. Um, mm. They have to take on my word. So, yeah, it's a bit frustrating, but... I'm not allowed to drive anymore. Um, my memory is not what it used to be. I used to have a, a photographic memory and that, that's gone. Um, mm. And uh, I don't read the same way that I used to, which is really frustrating because as you can see, I love books. I'm surrounded by books. I have literally thousands of books. Um, so reading has changed, but it hasn't changed. It's changed the way I read for pleasure, but not the way I read for work. So that's mm. a really good thing. Yeah. 
And so, did you notice all the changes right after the event, or is actually come to the surveys while you got discharged from the hospital? And well, when you let me explain to you what happens when when you have a stroke. Hmm. If you can imagine that this drink bottle, and I've got water in it, if, if you can see, yeah. Imagine that this drink bottle is your skull, and the water in your in here is your brain. When you're having a stroke, this is what's happening to your brain, and all the all the rods and connectors that are in your brain are being broken. So depending on how severe your stroke is. It, it will it will you know depend whether you're whether you lose mobility in your arms whether you can't speak etc so when you come out of a stroke you are incredibly tired the fatigue is indescribable so when I came out of the stroke I was exhausted when I came out of hospital I was exhausted the smallest thing even though I might have done it a million times might have seen it a million times, it was just new and my brain had to process reconnecting all those dots mm. and connectors and it was really really exhausting hard work so I slept a lot and you know just had to take things really really slowly for the first few weeks mm. so that's probably the first thing I saw and I didn't get I didn't have the the epileptic seizures until probably well, five months after Mm. the stroke so yeah. when you first have that um that seizure did this scare you or do you feel yes yes I was in a shop and I I didn't know what was going on it was really weird because I get a sense of deja vu and then I get like a a, a, a bolt of electricity all through my body and mm. then I get like a panicky fear feeling. And that is my entire seizure. That's it. And by the time I feel that, the doctors have told me I've already been having the seizure for 10 or 20 seconds by the time I feel it. So it's it's a really weird, odd sort of seizure. But yeah, terrifying. Oh, absolutely because you don't know what's going on you don't know whether you're going to fall down you don't know is you know can i get home because i wasn't allowed to drive so you know it's um yeah it's oh, terrifying but now now i just you know carry on doing whatever i'm doing i could be having one now i'm not but i could be having one now and nobody would know mm, yeah and once after you have the stroke of course is that is by what you just said before, it also affects some of your, um, I don't want to use the word ability because for me, it actually looks perfectly fine. But of course, it's some um, physically, they have some impact affects you as well. Sure. Were you working at that time? Yes, I was, on, I was actually on holidays. I just started my four weeks annual leave. So mm. I spent my leave um just trying to recover and I was so lucky that I had a fantastic boss that he allowed me to come back part-time and it was very part-time to start with I'd go in to work for two hours and I'd be exhausted but he paid for taxi like he gave me taxi vouchers so I could go to and from work 
until I felt safe enough to get on a bus. Mm. And I also know that after you experience this big live event, mm. you have also decided that you don't, you won't let that event affect you. Of course, it's affect you. Like you can't drive after that, yeah. and this also um, affect you different way as well. Yeah. And I want you to share with me about the choice and what makes you know that all right i need to do something different i need to gain back control for my life yeah i i live on my own and i like living on my own and i don't have any family here in victoria so i didn't have anybody i could rely on to help me on a regular basis i mean you know my friends were here and and they looked after me incredibly well but mm -hmm. on a on a day-to-day -day basis i had to make the choice about whether it was oh wow is me i had a stroke or whether it was yeah i had a stroke let's get on with it and live life as best i can and that's what i did i decided that this is not going to beat me this is this is i'm going to do the best i can to get better and the doctors said to me that whatever happens within the first five years after you have a stroke is as good as you're going to get. Well, I'm pretty good. I don't need to, like, I don't need to use a walking stick. I don't need to do all of that stuff. But I made the choice to work on myself to not have to use those things and not have to do that. I decided that I would do a small thing every day and a big thing every day. And the small thing to start off with was um, uh, walking to the end of the driveway. So it might be 20 steps. Um, and then the big thing might be um, sweeping the kitchen. It, it doesn't sound like much now, but at the time when you are so exhausted and when, when your brain is saying, this is new, this is new, this is new, let me process, they were big things, you know, walking to the to the letterbox 10 houses away, the public letterbox 10 houses away was a really big deal. When I could do that, wow, it was exciting. It was really exciting. Yes, of course. And every step counts as well. Every yeah. step counts. You, you just point out one very good point. Um, some people, th or some sometimes we just get in the trap that we aiming to reach that point say maybe i want to run two kilometers yeah but by just thinking of that goal just at this point looking at that goal it's already exhausted me <laughs> so it's also well i'm talking about my running routine right <laughs> <laughs> and so i find a very good way and you said it really well is starting from the small yeah that's one it. step at a time and eventually you build up the foundation and you step by step. And by the time you already know it, you might already in that um, public letter box already. That's it. That's it. And with running, you know, they get you to run for 20 seconds, if that's what you want to do. Run for 20 seconds, then rest for 20 seconds, then run for another 20 seconds so that you build up your running muscles and you're able to do it that's that's the that's the way you do anything you know um everything that we learn and we learn everything because when you think when we're born as as babies we don't know how to do anything 
We yep. learn everything. So, and we learn everything small, 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 small. Test it. Does it can, can we stick? Can we stick that thing in that PowerPoint? Or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> can we put the Lego together? Yes, we can do the Legos. But you know, it's 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 trial and error, and never give up. And that's what I see. I'm not going to give up. Yeah, and is this is how you overcome all the challenges? It's yeah, good. never give up. Never and good. share with me a little bit more about how you um, work with your body and your mind to support your change, basically. Um, I still, if I go somewhere where I haven't been for a long time. So, for example, if I went to, if I went to um, Ballarat, I haven't been to Ballarat for years. And if I went to Ballarat, my I would be so tired by the end of the day because my brain would be saying, this is all new. It's and I'm processing the whole time. Oh, look at this, and that's this, and this, and this, and this, and the colours and the people. And it's just anything I do that is different or something that I haven't done for a long time, I still get that same tiredness, that exhaustion, and I can't help overwhelming. it. Overwhelming? It is overwhelming at times. You cannot imagine, wow, going into a supermarket, the colour the number of things, the number of people in a supermarket that we take for granted or driving down a six-lane or eight-lane road and there's cars coming at you or a car park where there's hundreds of cars, totally overwhelming, all the colour, totally overwhelming. But we take it all for granted. Hmm. Yes. And how, when you notice yourself feeling overwhelming and how do you help yourself to settle? I, I, I just say I've had enough. Um, mm. I've had enough. Uh, I go shopping with my neighbour, for example, and we just go to the local supermarket and I'll say to her, I've had enough. I have to, I'll meet you outside and she'll just say, here are the car keys, go and wait in the car. Because mm. I know that I can only do so much before. I get so tired from looking at everything and, you know, talking to people or whatever it is. I just have to rest. I just have to, and I have to honour my body because it doesn't help me to push too far because if I push too far, I just fall over. And I mean literally fall over. So, because I just can't function. Yeah. And you say that really well. Um, when we feel overwhelming, it's not about, pushing ourselves is to know our body limits and really nurture our body say if just like your example if i feel overwhelmed i just tell people that hey i think this hit my limit maybe i have to go somewhere maybe i have to rest and this there's, there's not nothing wrong to saying that is about hitting your limit no no yeah all of my friends know that I will do that. And I've always got a book with me, all my knitting, yes, I knit. Um, and, you know, I have those things with me because whenever I'm on public transport, for example, well, you spend a lot of time waiting for buses and trains and or, you know, on buses and trains and it's my time. So I do the things that I like to do. I read and I knit. So yeah. there's no shame in that. 
And, you know, if I can't do those things, I just have a sleep. You know, people used to laugh at me when I used to go to the hairdresser and sleep, but that's what my body wanted it because I relaxed in the hairdresser's chair, of course. I'd just fall asleep. Yeah. And so I think um, always check in with our body and understanding our limit is really important. Yes. Um, Emotionally and physically as well. Um, So then can actually our bodies work with us, but we actually take the responsibility to look after our body as well. Yeah, this is very important. And, And... for you to have that such a huge um, live events and experiences, is there any learning that you receive from that experience? Oh, yes. Yes. I think the biggest thing for me has been to learn how to ask people for help. I'm a very independent person, but there are still things that I I just have to say I can't do that. I can't. I can't climb a ladder anymore. So you know, my friend has to come and clean the, the gutters for me, for example. Um, and to have to ask people to do stuff like that is it's well, you know, I'm still young enough to be able to do that theoretically, but physically I just can't do it. Um, and when I when I had the stroke, well, friends were coming to cut my grass or you know do the jobs that were bigger. Um, that I just couldn't manage. But to have to ask people, that is that is the hardest thing. And to have to ask people how to how do we how do we use this dishwasher again? Like at work, how do we run this dishwasher? Because I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember how to use the dishwasher. And to not feel embarrassed about having to ask. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be embarrassed too. And you at earlier you said that after you have the experience, you chose to live as your life author is like you in charge of your life instead of saying that, oh, you're the victim of your stroke, which is fantastic. But also, we also understand as well, wasn't strong wasn't mean we can't open and ask for help because this is how human how, how we work as a human, as a tribe as well. We help each other when it's needed. Yeah, and it's fantastic for you mentioning this. Yeah, that's probably the biggest learning is to, is to have to ask. And unless you have to do it, unless you go through it, you don't understand how yeah. that is. I mean, people think, oh, yeah, I can ask. But there is, there's, a, there's a real pride and shame thing that, that you have to get over to, yeah. to, to be able to do that. Yes, it is. It is. And talk about motivation. I know Anna is very motivative, always laughing. We, when we check, we always crank laughing. And do you have any affirmation or anything motivate you that keeps you going? Oh, I like to eat. <laughs> And your cat. <laughs> I like to eat, and I like. Well, they like to eat too. I, I look. That's what keeps me going. The fact is that if I don't bring the money in, there is none. So you know, I have to work, and and that's a big motivator. And you know, it doesn't mean I don't have holidays, but it, it means that I have different sort of holidays to everybody else. 
Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's, yeah, getting out of bed every day. It's, it's, I'm lucky that I can and I remind myself when on those days when I, you know, go, I don't want to get out of bed. No, you're lucky that you still can get out of bed. So, you know, um, just, just, to, just to be grateful, mm-hmm. I think, have grat- gratitude um especially especially when i think my life is tough and uh, just be grateful for for everything that i have when there are so many that don't have a room full of books, for example how yeah, lucky gratitude. am i gratitude and grateful yes mm-hmm. and and also this help us to change the pers- perspective to see our day as well like what you just said before and that's fantastic of course sometimes that we have bad day and good days but once we actually be grateful or actually say out loud it's lift up our mood a bit too yeah and if you have a friend that's sitting right in front of you right now and for similar challenges or situation they just believe they there's no no chance that I can be like you, Anna. Is there any advice that you would give to them? Yes. Don't be like me. Be like yourself. Don't give up. And just do the best you can do. Don't look to anybody else for what they can do, what their ability is, but do what you can do. And every small step. Yeah, that's fantastic. The last question. I love this last question because I know all the tips and tricks from um, <laughs> from from all the people I interview. What's uh, that three books? The three books that you love most because I actually love read books a lot and I have oh. Probably not as much as you, Anna. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look at the bookshelf and mine. Okay. What's that oh, three okay. books that help your life journey or is three good books that you recommend to the audience? Three really good books. Look, one book that I have like just finished reading is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I oh. highly, highly, highly recommend that to anybody who has difficulty in asking for help who has difficulty in getting onto social media who has difficulty in getting doing facebook lives for example who has difficulty in being authentic read this book you will like it because renee brown she's a really really smart lady but she's really genuine and she swears and she talks about her family and like she us. says it like it is, you know. she's like It's like talking to your best friend. You know, it's just a normal, normal read and it's not a hard read. So that's, that's a really good book. Um, another book I really love and I recommend it to all aspiring writers and authors is a book by Stephen King called On Writing. And it's a non-fiction memoir that he wrote. And it's about his journey in writing and how he writes and how it's not easy peasy, lemon squeezy. There is a bit of work involved. 
And I really recommend that for anybody who wants to be a writer. And oh, the third, the third book, oh, the third book is, the third book is really difficult, but I'll give you an author. I really love um, Jodie Picoult and her books are amazing. She is a, a fiction author. She writes amazing books. They're really big, fat th fiction books. Um, and each one, I was just looking to see if I had any handy, but I don't. Um, they, each one is on a different subject. And she does this amazing research so she, she can really get into the characters and, and you really get um, sucked into the story and you become a part of the book and I love that I just absolutely love that she's a really really good writer and I've enjoyed every one of her books that I have read and I see your excitement as well <laughs> <laughs> and I see your excitement as well yeah you just mentioned um, the Brandy Brown and yeah. Almost every time I heard her name, I feel like I want to cry because she has such a huge impact in my life when she talk about vulnerability. I used yeah. to be a person I never like to share or never really like to ask or to share the deepest of me. But after listening a um, couple of Brenda Brown's talk and also I'm her friends of her podcast as well, it's moved me that, okay, I, of course we know sometimes we open up ourselves needs courage and is worth to do it because break down that wall can help us to build stronger, deeper relationship with people yeah. and also for us to have the other insight and the other un level of understanding of ourselves, basically. It's, it's for me. It's my own opinion too. Yeah. Look, when you when you release that story, your story from within you, whether it's by talking or by writing, you do a few things. You one of the big things is that you ease the burden of your story on your shoulders because you know yourself with your story when you started telling it you could feel that I don't have to carry this around with me anymore. I've told other people. Other people know. If they don't like me for my story, meh, so what? That doesn't matter. The, one of the other things that by, happens when you tell your story, you don't know who you're going to help. So, you know, by telling your story or me by telling my story, you don't know who might be listening or reading your story who might be on the edge and you might be the person that stops them from falling over the edge you might be the person who 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 just helps them see that it is possible to go on yeah and that's a really big deal you won't ever know necessarily but if you know if you know if you think that you can do that for one person then you've done your job yeah you've done your job it's really, really well said and important as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember a couple of times that I actually share my story can not only empower people, but there's also 
change people's lives. Maybe you save some life by just sharing your story. Yeah. Well, so, one of the things is that, you know, when, when you hear other people's stories, like, for example, when we look at the news now and we see what's happening in, when we see what's happening in um, Ukraine, for example, you have to, you cannot help but say, how lucky am I that I live in Australia? Yeah. You know, it gives you that, that gratitude, that gratitude for whatever your situation is, that you don't have to live that situation. And that's not a bad thing, and then that's not a selfish thing to do. It it to to be shown how to be grateful. It's a it's a it's a gift. Yeah. Absolutely. So. And I hope Anna keep helping others to share this story. And also, of course, thank you for coming here to share your story today with me. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I've loved that too. I've enjoyed it. I think like from now on, all the podcasts, just do it live form. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I love that. Um, I always love to listen when you talk because I think you have so much wisdom within you and you are so authentic authentic af yeah <laughs> <laughs> and this uh this this really aligned and i love it and now to the audience again what's that one choice you will make what's just only one choice you will make today and allow yourself to be the best version of you you can comment down below or maybe you can share us in the email this podcast will be in different social media, also in LinkedIn and YouTube. And also I've put down the link to contact and connect with Anna in the subscription as well. So go and down and check it. And the last is if you know anyone or even you have an inspiring story that can share and benefit the collective, contact me and I love to have you in the podcast. Remember, you always have a choice. Thank you. See you two weeks later.